Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you so much for being with us for episode number 44 on this monday august 14th 2017 here to talk to you about the world of retro wrestling i am joe Murata, alongside the one and only michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy diddy how's it going man good gearing up for SummerSlam. Yeah, we're always gearing up for SummerSlam here. <laughs> the, the Superfest? The Super Slam, yes. <laughs> Speaking of that, actually, Scott Keith is going to be with us this Thursday, oh, the 17th. I heard about that. You heard about that? Vaunt. Yeah, through the back channels there of yeah. OVP. Yeah. The, the rumors. The dirt sheets. <laughs> they said Scott Keith's going to be on OVP. He is, so stay tuned for that, folks, this Thursday. But today on Monday the 14th, we are here, of course, to romp through the world of retro wrestling. Got some good topics for you, I'm sure. I'll trust Quinn will throw a good one at us to start with. But, of course, before we get to any of that, want to remind you of the usual. Reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can tweet at us. You can send us funny gifts. Big big fans of the gifts. Yeah, the Jiffies. Yeah, the Jiffies. Yeah, Jiffy Pop. Dean Coles, by the way, has some great gifts always. Yeah, he's got a good GIF account over like- there at <laughs> Twitter.web. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to use the old school method of emailing us, you can do that at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, we have a website and we have a Facebook group. You want to handle that there? Yeah. So the website is, get this, <laughs> ovppodcast.com. That's crazy. And over there, there's a bunch of links to all the things that we do. So you can go over there and look at it. <laughs> and just and, look at it. Yeah. And just click on it and look. <laughs> And what about our Facebook group? Well, the Facebook group, you can find it on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And if you search our vantage point, Retro Wrestling Podcast, you'll see a group and you can hit join and we will let you in. Now, what goes on there exactly? A lot of hijinks, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fun. On the uh, Facebook group, you can discuss the retro wrestling, discuss the Rushmore Death Valley topics, that kind of thing. Yeah, disagree with us about them. Yeah, basically like everyone else. <laughs> so you can go disagree over there. Remind us of what we forgot. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. It's, it's fun, though. And on that, actually, and on our website as well, if you have a suggestion, we have our very own suggestion box spreadsheet, Quinn. Yes. Uh, on the website, there's a top bar, you know, with the usual stuff or the menu if you're on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see suggestions. You click on that. It leads you to the Google Doc and you can put it in. It works on mobile, too. It does. Not very good, but it works <laughs> it on mobile. It does work. So that way, if you have an idea for a Rushmore or for a review, maybe something just in general you want us to talk about, put it on there, put your name, and we will do our best to get to it. Yes. Now, Quinn, we are hosted on SoundCloud, but that is not the place to listen to us. Where can they actually listen to this if they if they just happen upon us on SoundCloud? Where else can they go? Well, they can find us over at Apple Podcasts, where they can subscribe or leave a review, and yeah. that way you can get the podcast any way without, you know, looking for it. It just comes in your little thingy, and yeah. you get it. It's nice. And the reviews help us... Uh, other people know about the podcast yes they do that's absolutely right where else are we found well we're on google play music stitcher blueberry auto 
Yeah, Otto is really good. I, I, I personally, I think Otto. Who cares? Oh, okay, oh. never mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, sorry. Or Otis, as it's called yeah, on our podcast. Right. <laughs> and various other places. Yes, and one of those places, of course, is the place to be nation.com. It is the only place to be in your pop culture world, and we happen to also be hosted there. The podcast's so nice, you can listen to us twice, Quinn. Yes. You can go We're over in there. Two places at once, like yes. Rick Rude. <laughs> And if you head on over there to place to be nation.com, you can check out some of their other great podcasts. One in particular that Quinn and I are big fans of is hosted by our little brother of the show, Petey Winson. Yeah, Petey. <laughs> and he hosts a great one man show called Greetings from Allentown, Quinn. Yeah, GF Allentown. GF Allentown. So go check him out. He's also on Twitter and all those places as well. And he does a great job by himself. Yes, he uh, reviews unique shows. Yes, very unique. Uh, it seems a little lonely doing that by yourself, don't you think? Kind of. I'm glad I have you, Quinn. You well, know, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> and uh, shout out, of course, to the guys over at the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Yes, they had us on a couple of weeks ago. We talked about merchandise. That was great. Yeah, that was super fun. Great I had time. a good time. WPAN, go check them out as well. Real fun podcast. Mike Crockett and the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Yes, nice little show. Quinn, you get to start today. Quinn's going to ask me why they bothered with something. What is that? It's where we're going to pitch things to each other that happened in wrestling's past and we want to know why did they bother with this and ultimately we'll decide should they have bothered quinn what do you got this week well this thing sure happened (laughs) (laughs) oh good yeah it was a thing all right and the thing i wanted to ask the question was why did they bother with the wwf brawl for all (laughs) oh god man this is like in the midst of the attitude era arose this piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) now the brawl for all quinn i guess uh we can go through very briefly the history of it here because it didn't last long anyway right well you want to know what wikipedia has to say about it yeah sure go ahead this is the general synopsis okay wwf brawl for all was a shoot fighting tournament held in the world wrestling federation if you can believe that wow that lasted from June 29th, 1998 to August 24th, 1998. The creation of the de- of then-writer Vince Russo, Brawl for All, resulted in a number of legit injuries <laughs> for WWF performers and was received negatively by some industry figures. That's literally the first paragraph about this thing. What a great omen, because I remember, folks, back in, in the summer of 98, and Quinn, I want to get your perspective as well, in the middle of some great WWF television, you know, the DX, right? Yes. The Austin feud with McMahon. Yes. Uh, Kane, Undertaker, Mankind, etc. The Rock. We got boxing, but it wasn't <laughs> boxing? Like, I, what was going on? So, it was supposed to be, like, for, like, the tough guys on the roster. They had, like, too many people or something. <laughs> right. And, like, so they decided, hey, well, they suck at talking, so let's put them in a tough guy tournament. <laughs> It's basically what it was. It is what it was. This comes from why I have heat with JBL to this day. I was in the back, and JB started carrying on that he could take anybody in the company or in the locker room in a real ball fight. Now, what did you think of that when it first happened? I didn't really understand it. It had a bunch of rules, if I recall. Yeah, it was like you could box. Like, they wore boxing gloves, and there were rounds, but couldn't you, like, also wrestle or something? Yeah. So, here, here's, like, I guess the rules. They're okay. not, like, listed. 
like they were on the screen here, but <laughs> okay. it says each match consisted of three one-minute rounds. One minute. Whichever wrestler connected with the most punches per round scored five points. Okay. So it's not points per punch. It's like if you did the, the most, most punches, you get only five points. Okay. In addition, clean takedowns scored five points, and a knockdown was worth ten. If a wrestler was knocked out... Decided by an eight count rather than a ten count. What? The match ended. The matches were scored by ringside judges, including Gorilla Monsoon. That like one time. Yeah. What the fuck? Those are so convoluted. So a takedown, essentially though, was a body slam, was it not? If I or remember like, correctly. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. If you wanted like cheap points, couldn't you just like thrust yourself at them and like fall on them? I just don't. <laughs> Let me. You know what? I, I I think it'd be best. Uh, I have some brackets in front of me here. I pulled this up in the meantime while you were talking. <laughs> well, before we get to the brackets, let me just say this. Yes, go ahead. According to uh, our good friend Jim Cornette, motherfucker, uh, Doctor Death was supposed to win the tournament. Yeah, and I know that Jr. At least they hoped he would. Jr. was like you know Mister Doctor. That's my boy, my boy Steve Williams. I, I known him since high school. Yeah. But he didn't win. And that's the funniest part of this whole yeah. thing. Because it was apparently legit. So here's some matches for you, folks, as we talk about the Brawl for All. In the first match ever, <laughs> we had Steve Blackman defeating Mark Merrow. Well, Steve Blackman's awesome. So And Mark Merrow, Mr. Golden Gloves. Hey, or he whatever. was, yeah. But I guess well, I that guess, didn't really roll. I guess the MMA guy beat the boxing man. Was Blackman even really? Wasn't he just karate? Well, he knew the martial arts. Not mixed, though. It was just like one martial arts. I don't know. Oh, you knew how to use kendo sticks. That's, yeah, that's true. That's mixed. Yeah, but so did like Francine or something, right? Yeah. Well, everyone <laughs> in ECW. <laughs> and that was by decision. And then we also had Bradshaw, Quinn's favorite. Yeah. Defeated Mark Canterbury. That Who? Would, that would be Henry Godwin, Quinn. Oh. Of, uh, they, Southern Justice. Why did they use his real name for this? Well, because he was Southern Justice. Did they use it or is that just like no. Wikipedia just saying that? No, like it's actually that. his name. Oh, they for some the reason Godwins the whole time, I thought they were still the Godwins. No. Anyway, Bradshaw defeated him on points. Mm-hmm. Savio Vega Quinn defeated Brockus. <laughs> Which is weird because, okay, first of all, Brockus. Okay, Brockus was this, like, he's. German. My name is Brockus. And it's coming from Deutschland. Surprisingly, we didn't think of him during the bad strongman. Yes, right. But he was right. basically like this German strongman, kind of like Ludwig Borga or something. Yeah, but also like Ivan Drago and a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah, and he was like in WWF for like a minute. For like a minute. But he seriously. was the minute that he was there, the brawl for all was going on. So he fought Sabio. Sabio beat him, and then he loses. <laughs> so like that probably like really screwed up his career. You know what sound he made when he hit the mat? Clang. <laughs> where he just went Brock. So <laughs> it sounds like, that sounds like something you would make and, down. And then we also had a, a draw here, and that would be between Road Warrior Hawk, yeah, well, and Darren Draws now, Draws Dog. This is weird because it says Draws Advanced. Yes, and we'll get to that in a second here. And on July thirteenth, the third week, we had Bart Gunn. Ha. defeating Bob Holly. That was the new Midnight Express exploding. <laughs> wow, I guess everyone was really excited for that match. <laughs> but Another not... <laughs> why did they bother contender. <laughs> but not so much, Quinn, as Dr. Death Steve Williams defeating Quebecer Pierre by okay. TKO. Okay, now let me say this about I'm not doubting Pierre's uh, <laughs> toughness, right? But this match sounds like they were just trying to like right. get like they they really just wanted Steve Williams to just like <laughs> kick some ass, right? Yeah, just 
to have easy opponents. First of all, I didn't realize Pierre was still there in July <laughs> of 98. Yeah, me either. I know they were back for like a cup of coffee around WrestleMania, but July? Yeah, but there was just weird things going on with this tournament. This is like pulling all the crap out. And right. like having them fight each other. And then in the final two uh, brackets here for the opening uh, round, we had Dan Severn defeating the Godfather on points. Yes. And Scorpio. Yes, Scorpio. Yeah, too cold variety. <laughs> defeating 8-Ball. Yeah, 8-Ball, they're just like, what about Skull? <laughs> Why like, no Skull? <laughs> I guess there was too many. Like, they needed Savio Vega in this tournament really, yeah. really badly. And Brockus, obviously. Yeah. So then as we got to the next uh, week here, I'll, I'll do this a little quicker so we can start making fun of it more. <laughs> Bradshaw defeated Mark Merrill. Now, okay, so, what? Let's just refresh everyone's memory because yes. there's a lot of names here. Mark Merrill lost to Steve right. Blackman. But what happened is Blackman became injured during that match, <laughs> so they gave Merrill the advancement, mm. and Bradshaw beat him on points. Then Savio Vega lost to draws on points. Now, at this point, I want to mention that on here, he's called Darren Draws, draws stuff, not like puke no, or just draws. No puke. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming to puke! He's gonna puke! Yeah, his full name. Isn't that weird, huh? It's a little strange. Yeah. Uh, not as strange as the Brawl for All or yeah. the fact that we're talking about it here, right. but that's what you listen to us for, folks, right? Yes. Uh, so then anyway, here was the big shocker. This was actually somewhat surprising and a gleeful moment for me, Michael. <laughs> Bart Gunn defeated Steve Williams by K. Oh, <laughs> he, he knocked him out. Okay, and as we had said at the beginning here, that's my boy. That's my boy. Like Steve Williams was basically like expected to win. Yes, because Jr. thinks he's the toughest man to ever live, or something. Besides Danny Hodge and yeah. Bill Watts, yeah, and, and Steve Williams right behind them. Yes, exactly. And Bart Gunn, uh, Bart Gunn of all people, audacious Bart or whatever yeah. it is. People just thought he was like a joke in there, so right. that they could split up the Midnight Express version too, or whatever. Right. And, and he knocks out Steve Williams. <laughs> and then in the final, semi-final round there, the Godfather defeated Scorpio on points. So. Now, this also is because Dan Severin pulled out of the tournament. That's correct. He withdrew, so the stating God he had nothing to prove, <laughs> and the Godfather was put in his place. That's literally what it says, stating that he had nothing to prove. So a pause here. I think Severin made the right move. Well, this sucked, so of course he did. <laughs> well, think about it. The dude came from legit MMA where, right. where he won, where he actually beat Ken Shamrock. Well, also, I'd say this about it. Yeah. They put him in the bottom bracket with like all these jabronis who really had no chance against him. That's a good point, yeah. And now, I do remember that the Godfather was somewhat impressive here. He like, was pretty good. Yeah, like, I was like, whoa, Godfather, that's not bad. He looks like a badass, you now, know what I mean? At the time, did they say this stuff, like, why the people weren't in the matches? Yeah, or? they did. I remember that. Okay. They would clarify. Okay. So then we have the semis here, and Bradshaw defeated Darren Draws Drozdoff on points. And good then, for him. Good for him. Maggle! <laughs> <laughs> and Bart Gunn knocked out the Godfather. Another knockout. Isn't wow. that crazy? So now, by this point, they, I remember this clearly, and I'm sure you do too, Quinn, they were really building up Bart Gunn. You know what else I seem to remember, Michael? Yes. Why was Shawn Michaels, like, always on commentary during the Brawl he for All? always was on commentary in general. <laughs> in 98? Like, and, and, like, all the time. Like That's right, and I'll tell you what, we talk about guys making their own breaks in this business. There's our two guys that have done it every step of the way.
remember when he was wrestling he was on commentary in like the 94 mid 90s yeah. yeah anytime quinn and i would watch like recaps and stuff where they would show video packages of stuff from like 98 yeah. i remember we'd always turn to each other and be like why is sean michaels on commentary well that's how he stuck around even though he was hurt that's true so, but i don't know if he really fits this no not at all he's one of the least tough guys yeah. ever uh Tell no, me a lie, no offense quinn <laughs> Didn't he job to a smile or something? Yeah. So for the finals here on August 24th. Now, I would have to say. Yes. I think the prediction at this point was that Bradshaw would win this, right? I would think so. He seems like he'd be the tougher guy. He also won all his matches. So did, well, God, so did Bark, so did, uh, Bark okay. Never mind. I thought Bark Gun got the bye, but that's not true. So this is actually a pretty intriguing final, and I remember as a kid being a little bit excited for it. <laughs> a little is the is the operative word here, word yeah. here yeah. Especially because it meant it would be over. <laughs> Bark well, Gun. Well, we thought it would be. Yeah, and Bark Gun with his big lefty left hook there. The southpaw. The southpaw. Oh, southpaw. <laughs> Who JR hated, I'm sure, by now, because yeah. he knocked out Steve Williams. Right, exactly. Defeats Bradshaw by knockout to win the brawl for all. <laughs> now, this is August of 98. The great epilogue to this whole thing, Quinn, Yes, is seven, eight months later, once this bullshit had been <laughs> forgotten, right? Yes. And everyone's time was preoccupied with other things. such like as more important things. Like the Austin feud, like the Rock-Mankind feud, all this crap that's yes. going on. WrestleMania 15 comes along, Quinn. And who do they trot out of the fat farm to fight Bark Gun, who no one's heard of and since this, right? Butterbean? Butterbean. Yes. Now, Butterbean, Quinn, <laughs> your impressions of him. He's like, he's basically like a show boxer. Yeah. He's not legit. Listen, Butterbean, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but like, I don't see you fighting Mike Tyson or oh, anything no. like that. He, he like, couldn't even beat 52-year-old Larry Holmes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So Seriously. basically, like Butterbean, who is like the king of probably, the four rounders. Yeah, he's probably the closest thing they could get where it would seem like probable that Bark Gun would even have a chance. Right. Exactly. With someone that at least is credible in his own realm. Right. Yeah. So in 1999, around WrestleMania 15, they start building this feud. God, Bark Gun. I remember had like the short hair by then. Yeah. And by the way, isn't this a little stupid because Butterbean out like weighs him. In, in boxing, true. that matters. It does matter. Yeah. And it matters to Art Donovan in wrestling, yeah, it too. It does, too. <laughs> oh, how much does that guy weigh? No, but in boxing, it really does matter. It, no, you're absolutely right. So it does. It's not really this a isn't fair really, fight in the first place. This isn't boxing, yeah. Quinn. This is nothing. This is literally just made up shit. Yeah, but Bark Gun can't even take him down because he's so damn fat. <laughs> so he can't get into his five points that way. So I remember this clearly. WrestleMania 15, uh, one of the judges. Unfortunately, very sadly, in his final appearance, Ugh, this Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. Who cares? But he's all skinny. It's very, it's depressing. very sad. But who's not skinny is Butterbean. And he trots out. <laughs> Bargun comes out. And basically, Butterbean knocks the absolute shit out of Bargun <laughs> in what? 18 seconds? Yeah, it's not. 40 long. seconds? It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. And that was it. We never saw Bark Gun and again. And we never heard about Brawl for All again. We never heard about Brawl for All again, and we never saw Butterbean again, thankfully, either. It basically made that whole tournament pointless. Correct. Like, the whole thing, why did they even bother, right? Why did they bother? And here's a funny thing, is it, there's a reception and legacy portion of the wiki page. Go ahead. And I think it's actually pretty hilarious. It says this, Fans in attendance instantly voiced their disapproval yep. of the tournament. Chants of boring and we want wrestling were audible during the segments. Then WWF official Jim Cornette has described the tournament as, quote, the stupidest thing that the WWF has ever done. I agree. 
He argued that WWF misjudged the appeal that legit fighting would have to the yep. audience, yep. considering that the WWF had promoted the idea that their matches were merely entertainment. I'm with Cornette there. Quinn, I want to pose this question to you before we wrap up. Do you think this would have gone over better had they done something like it today? Well, now it would have. With the popularity of MMA? Okay, no, well, here's the thing. is They never established that any of these tough guys were what they said they were like on their programming. Unlike with, for example, Brock, Right. Nowadays, if they did the t- Brawl Fall and had Brock Lesnar in it and like he's shoot fighting with people, True. it might be interesting. Because Good point. somebody could beat him because now we're like, okay, it's not wrestling and he right. can just like F5 people and just be stupid. Very good point. But when you're throwing people like Savio Vega and Skull into this right. and Scorpio. Now, I'm not doubting the toughness. I'm sure. Ass- I always assumed that the people in this tournament were picked for a reason. Like they were known as tough. Sure. Like, yes. Not- not that they were like professional boxers. I'm sure they picked these guys for a reason. It's not like they couldn't handle themselves. It's just in this format mm-hmm. or whatever the hell this was, <laughs> like this was not the place for them. Like if it was like a street fight and they had to defend their woman or something on right. the street, they're legit tough guys. Absolutely. But, like, With boxing gloves on and rules and one minute rounds yeah. and an atmosphere where no one cared. Right. It was very strange. Do you think they should have bothered? Uh, No. Okay, I think I have to agree with you. <laughs> I don't think the wrestling world would have been for the worse without the brawl for all in 1998, although it gave us the iconic Butterbean knockout of Bart Gunn at WrestleMania. I don't know if I'd say iconic, but <laughs> it's not very memorable even. A it, lot of people, like, you bring this up and they're like, what? Like, yeah, I'm I guess serious. Like, it's not really remembered. No, it's really not. And folks, we want to know what you think. Do you think it was worth it? Do you think they should have bothered? Let us know. You can reach us on Twitter, go to our Facebook group, or shoot us an email. Well, Quinn, I have nothing else to say about the Brawl for All. I don't know about you. That seems very apropos because exactly. who has anything to say about the Brawl for All? I can't even believe we just talked about it for like 15 minutes or something. <laughs> Me neither. But folks, we'll be back to knock you out right after this. Remember a guy by the name of Dr. Death, Steve Williams? The guy you told everybody was my boy, JR's boy. You even called me and said, JR, am I gonna get heat with you for knocking out your boy before the brawl for all? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? From Harley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us for episode number 44, Monday, August 14th, 2017. Quinn SummerSlam is right around the corner. Scott Keith is right around the corner this Thursday. Yes. I can't wait for that. We're going to talk about all the super fests. Yeah, the (laughs) super slam. It'll be great. It's going to be great. Or the SummerSlam, as Bret Hart says. The WCW. The WCW, exactly. Yes. The WCW. Well, it is time for our fan favorite segment, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, where each week Quinn and I will put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore and four of the worst will go down into the desert of Death Valley. And we have another fan request, Michael. Yes. It is from Eric Points, and he wanted us, very appropriately, the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... SummerSlam Main 
events. Nice. Very appropriate, right? How Good timing. Apropos. Exactly. So, Quinn, obviously SummerSlam, which we'll be talking to Scott in detail about, folks, so be sure to listen to that on Thursday, Yes, is kind of their number two pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view in August. Yes, it is. Um, during the summer. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of slamming at it. But we'll get into that with yeah, Scott. That'll later. happen later. But it is pretty much their second to WrestleMania, would you say? Yes, I, I, I would say it's number two. It's one that I always looked forward to as a kid. Not only did it usually coincide with my birthday, which is August 29th, but it's a great end of the summer feel, you yeah. know? And I mean, there is an element of like, uh-oh, we have to go back to school like <laughs> when the show's over. True, that's a good point. Yeah. But before we go back to school, we get to see some great wrestling, usually, and there were a lot of great main events, and there were some bad ones. And Quinn, since I had the pick... You have the stick. What do you got for a possible Rushmore contender? I always thought the first main event was one of the best, actually. I like the Mega Powers versus uh, the Mega Bucks. Do you now? Yes. Now, that, of course, would be Hogan and Savage versus DiBiase and Andre. Yes. It just has a feel-goodness about it. Does? It's entertaining. The whole thing where Elizabeth's skirt comes off, and then they, like, do the handshake, yeah. like, on the outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like they oh, power up. Yeah, it's like, we got him. Like, they're a bunch of doofs. No. Like, <laughs> like, that's great. It's such a good moment. Like, everyone remembers it. It's it's yeah. very memorable. And like, it's, it's like a quintessential late 80s main event, right? Right, Hogan yeah. and Savage teaming up against Andre and DiBiase. It's like the definition of like a special attraction and it kind of I thought always set the stage for what SummerSlam was. Not the biggest show of the year. Right. But it's like the special attraction show. Mm-hmm. It's like a feel good show. Yeah, it's like you're gonna see stuff that you don't get to see usually, mm-hmm. and it's only at this like one time thing in the middle of the summer yeah. and you know there it is that's a fair point and i guess we should clarify here because if you're picking that i'm assuming you're on the same wavelength with me which is we're not talking about folks the relative subjective star no. rating of a match here we're talking about the overall feel the holistic feel of the main event yes like should it have happened did it go over well etc if the match was really terrible that's one thing yes but did it do what it was supposed to do you know and i'd say yes that this did. definitely did and it you know it was building for the big mega powers explode in the in the end mm-hmm. like you couldn't really see it here too much although i do recall the there is end. something where like hogan lifts elizabeth or and something savage gives a look there's just a look and but he's not he, commented he, on he, or anything he, he, and he resumes celebrating yep. but like he's a little perturbed yep. here that, that was a great subtle touch yeah. there that's a great one i'll volley to you though quinn because there's one that i absolutely love Not only is it a great match, but it was perfectly fitting for when and where they did it. And that would be SummerSlam 92, Bret Hart defending and losing the Intercontinental title to British Bulldog in Wembley. The British Bulldog's gonna win, whether he wants to or not. I do like this. Um... There was always a thing too about it that like I'm like the Intercontinental title in the main event. Well, it was in England, I know. Yeah, I know. It's just... I like it a lot. I'm not going to argue against it. I think as far as that feel good stuff, mm. it has it just like the Mega Powers thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it is good. And it also has that like, we're outside like I know. feel to it. It got and, dark. You and know? there's all these these Wembley fans and Diana in the uh, brown coat. Yeah. Richard yeah. Land was there, I think, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Diana in the brown coat, really. And they all celebrate at the end. Yeah. You know, Brett has actually said, and I don't agree with him, that that's his best match ever. 
No, it isn't. It's not, but it's damn good. That's WrestleMania 10, buddy. I would think so. But I don't know. I mean, that that's a really freaking good match. No, so it's awesome. It's tough to say between those two. Do you want to throw another at me? Uh, I mean, this is controversial, and I, I kind of want to discuss it here in the um, Mount Rushmore. Okay. Because I think it's unique in how it played out. Sure. Uh, the John Cena versus Brock match from a mm, couple years ago. SummerSlam 14. Yes. Now that... That counts as retro. It's old. Yeah, <laughs> it's a no, older. and I, I think it's worth discussing because it, it, I think some people would actually say it's a death ballot. Yeah, some people might. I and don't... that's why I wanted to throw it out there. It comes to mind when I think of these big SummerSlam matches. I'll tell you what, Quinn, you and I watched that together. Yes. And I remember Brock was getting pretty hot because he had beaten Undertaker that year at WrestleMania and broken the right. streak. And Cena's Cena. He's right. always John Cena, love love him or hate him. Yeah. And that was such a weird, in a good way, main yeah. event because Brock kicked his ass. Brock Lesnar going for it. F5 to Cena for the championship. Lesnar with the cover. Lesnar has won the WWE World title in convincing fashion. I've never seen someone lose that way. Ever. Especially in the main event. Right. It would be like Hogan, like, just getting his ass beat for, like, 20 minutes. Right. Like, and no offense. Even when Hogan lost to Undertaker, let's say, or to Yoko. Yeah. He still got offense. It still looked like he was going to win. Right. At no point did it look like Cena was going to win that match. Yes. It was, it kind of set the stage for, like... Wow, like main eventers can go down this way. Right. Like it just—I ne- never seen anything like it. It captivated me. It was like extremely interesting. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. it. Like whatever he did, Brock had a counter for it, and he never got a move on him. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Cena barely got any offense there. Does it count as one of the best? I don't know. I don't think it trumps either of the two that we've mentioned already. No, but I mean. We're not even, we haven't even selected for yet. So I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. I think it, it's up there to me because of just its uniqueness and, like, it was kind of revolutionary in a weird way. You know what? It was, and it hasn't really been done since, but it was really a risk and, and it worked, in my opinion. It's yes, memorable. Exactly. The desired effect was there. It said yes. Brock Lesnar is an unstoppable, like, anomaly. Like, he's not. The typical wrestler, and it's how they've booked him since. That's right. You know, and if Brock beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania was the dynamite, then that match against Cena was the detonator. Yeah. That made him explode into being the marketable, truly marketable Brock Lesnar that they were able to ride for a bit. I mean, I know they're still trying to now. It's not as intense as it was. I think Brock wants to go, but I don't blame him either. Uh, Quinn, I don't know. That's a good pick, and you build a pretty good case for it there. I'm I'm somewhat convinced, but I think we got to take it back a step back to the late 80s or early 90s. I have no fundamental objection to SummerSlam 88, the first one. Yeah. But I do think that the Brett Bulldog match has one thing on it, and one thing only, which is the wrestling quality. That's not the only factor. Right. You're just saying it like trumps the, 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 the fun factor. Yeah. I don't know. Does it have the rewatchability factor, though? That 80. Well, then again, I don't ever rewatch See, 88 either. Actually, I like 88 a lot. Like, well, it's got Ventura as the ref, too, and he's kind yeah. of shady. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I actually I feel better after I watch the Hogan Savage thing than I do the. 
Me too, because I don't like when Brett loses. Well, no, not even just that. <laughs> it's 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 just like I don't know. It's just it feels so good. Like it's just a good match. You know what it is, and it was the inaugural SummerSlam main event. It was held at MSG. The mm-hmm. only drawback is that Billy Graham is on commentary with Gorilla. And this is indeed superstar. <laughs> yes, it is Gorilla. And the one thing I believe that overshines the appearance of Jesse the Body as a special guest referee is the return of Hulk Hogan, my personal friend and hero, the man I call the man with the bionic bicep. Today, Junior. Oh, well. I mean, it it still does what it's supposed to do. It does what it's supposed to do. Okay, you know what? Yeah. We're not Dave Meltzer here, right? Yeah. We're not judging this on star ratings. It Mm -hmm. was Hulk Hogan and the world champion Randy Savage, the two biggest names in the company, teaming up. Yes. And I know that Marty Howell out there thinks that we're like the biggest mega power fans ever. No, we're but not. I'm, I'm just like in the context, like Hogan. in the context of SummerSlam. <laughs> right. Like it's like, come on, like this is like one of the bigger things to happen in, in the '80s in general. Like it sold that pay per view. Yes. Okay. It's on. I don't care. Give us, give us shit for it. Doesn't matter to me. Cue the Sonic music. <laughs> However. Do you turn your key with me on Bulldog Brett from 92? I think I would, actually. Because that sold that that sold that sold event. I do think that those are, like, the two biggest I can think of. Like, big matches. I mean, I have other ones, but... Sure, there's other good ones. As far as, like, ones. the top-tier ones, yeah. those are the big two. All right, want to put that in, and yeah. we'll, we'll narrow it down here you know, a bit? Let's discuss the rest here. All right, so Brett Bulldog from SummerSlam 92 and Wembley for number two. I got another one for you yeah. and i can't say it's like the best thing ever but i remember it giving me a distinct feeling what's that the undertaker versus brett from 97 SummerSlam. yeah that was that was an interesting one huh yeah now if i recall wasn't like sean the ref or something sean was the ref and the stipulation was that if he interfered in any way on brett's behalf he could never wrestle in the u.s again and if brett lost he wouldn't ever wrestle in the u.s Something like that, right? Yeah, that's what he said. Because I was watching one of those Raws recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're right. So there was that on the line. Of course, the Taker's title was on the line. Mm -hmm. And so there's your match right there. And I just remember that being like a very big deal at the time for whatever reason. Well, one of the reasons is because Brett was on fire as the you know heel in the U.S. and a face everywhere else. yeah. And doing some of his best mic work. I just want to say... That I am truly the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, whether the American wrestling fans like it or not. And of course we know what happened is Michaels accidentally hit Undertaker with the chair. Right, and he's like, like he he literally like is like, I don't know what to do. I, he has I, to count. Right. Or else he can't wrestle in the U.S. Right. So a nice little bit of storytelling there. Right. As a match, they had better. Um, it was okay. Like, it was okay. Yep. It just, you know what? It, it met that big, like, SummerSlam feel for me. I agree with you, but you know what? I can I can give you one that I think, in my opinion, overall better. 
Yeah. In every way. Sure. And it's the following year. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin defending the world title against Undertaker. Yes. And I was debating bringing that one up first. That I didn't one. know. But like, because those are the other two I think of. That's huge. Yeah. It, because it, it establishes that like Austin is now like. That's it. Yeah. Like the Undertaker is like the final test. Exactly. Because Austin had gotten past Kane, right? He lost yeah. it to him bullshit wise, you know, yeah. King of the Ring, but won the next day. Right. So he's done that. He beat Mick Foley a few times. He beat Michaels. But Undertaker is one guy that he had never defended the title against. And one of the best things about that SummerSlam, Quinn, is the theme song, Highway to Hell. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think what exemplifies this SummerSlam a lot for me is that I feel like the WWF was at highest of highs like at this like at this vantage point this no pun intended, no pun intended. uh this is probably this might be a hot take folks and maybe, maybe you'll agree with me quinn as great as the ratings were throughout 98 and 9 this is the height of their storytelling of their character development right of everything really coming together SummerSlam 98 is fantastic attitude era pay-per-view yeah overall as a pay-per-view but even as a main event i just oh, i awesome. still remember like the poster where they're like in like new york yes. harbor or something like with the statue of liberty torch or yeah, something they're like, like that. hitting each other with the statue of liberty yes this was a huge match and this actually was the day after my 13th birthday i remember being so interested in what was going to happen yeah because they were both face too right undertaker wasn't a heel yeah and this was all part of the angle where austin was like vince was trying to get the title off of him right and like kane and didn't it lead to like some undertaker like working together or something that was uncovered right around this time but undertaker was still technically face now if i recall it's funny because i remember the hoopla around it but I'm not positive. Did Austin won, right? He won clean. Okay, yeah. He beat him with the stunner. Yeah. Okay. And it's a damn good match, too. Right. And it kind of characterizes and epitomizes the Attitude Era in 98 anyway, where you right. have, you know, your stones are so cold, Undertaker, that yeah, version of Yeah, good them. one. Yeah, like his last legs as that good Undertaker. Yeah. Going down in defeat to the star of 1998, Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin. And I mean, it was time. It, it was, was like time. The Undertaker... He had come, he'd been, had a really good run recently. Yeah, and, definitely, you know, since Mankind. I feel like after this, it was like, Taker went into, like, Devil Taker. He and did, like, all yeah, that Satan bull crap. Taker, yep. Yeah. And then he kind of disappeared and came back as American Badass. Before he was finally revitalized uh-huh. in 04. But, like, this was, like, the last of that, like, I kind of equate him to, like, the tough man Taker. Yeah, like, that's he, a good way was, to put he it. He was kind of, like, a tough guy. And he's still kind of dead. Yeah. <laughs> but he was tough. Yeah. Tough dead guy. Yeah. I like this one a lot, Quinn. I think I like it more than 97, and Lord knows I love Brett, but I think this was a better overall pick, yeah, better I mean, match. I think it equates a lot more to the first one we, we said, the yeah the, the Mega Powers thing. We're like, it's that special attraction. Special attraction. It makes sense. It, it's a feel-good match. Right. It really is. It, it's got intrigue to it. Do we dare turn our keys on this, or I'll what? I'll put that in, yeah. I'll put Most it in, definitely. too. All right, so Undertaker Austin from SummerSlam 98 for number three. Well, we've got the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. We've got Brett versus Bulldog, and we've got Undertaker Austin. We need one more. We have mentioned Brett versus Undertaker from 97 and Brock versus Cena from 14. Mm -hmm. I can't say that there are too many more that really stick out to me as awesome matches. Well, do you you have anything? Here's one. Um, 
John Cena versus Edge from SummerSlam 06. And actually, to my knowledge, this is the first time Cena main evented SummerSlam against um, his ultimate rival. That would be true. Yeah, he, that was the first time. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Edge beat him, but Edge was already the champion. I think Edge yes. somehow got his hands on it. Yeah. Right? Because from, from the he, RVD fallout yeah, at he, one night stand. Yeah, I, I believe so. So that was interesting to see Cena actually lose, first of all, at yeah. that time, because he didn't really. But it's also like I had said previously about Edge being John Cena's rival. Yep. Like, I can totally remember that kind of situation where it was like, okay, it's like the peak of the rivalry here. I agree with you. I'll tell you what, this is probably just something we should mention because we both like it and it was good, but it it and it kicked off something really good. From SummerSlam 13, Daniel Bryan beat John Cena clean. Yes, that's another one. Um, although that ends with some real stupid crap. That's where Randy Orton comes in and wins the title, right? Right. He cashes in the money in the bank. But it did lead, even though it didn't mean to, to the Daniel Bryan run that stretched him all the way to WrestleMania and winning the title in 14. Yes. However, that wasn't really intended, so I can't say that this accomplished well, what it okay, intended. okay, intentions or not, right? that was a damn fine main event for SummerSlam. And like it a was. lot of people were into it, and it was a moment. Even though Daniel Bryan was only the champion for a couple minutes, like the elation mm-hmm. like for that couple of minutes, mm-hmm. it almost set the stage for... It uh, it had to put something in their head and set that stage that, man, these people really like Daniel Bryan, huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm serious, because, like, before this, we'd never seen Daniel Bryan really, like, he'd been the world heavyweight, you know, like, the other belts, but this is, like, the main belt. He's fighting John Cena. And he beat him clean! he beat him clean. Yeah. He did beat him clean. It really set something up there. That is one of my favorite moments, even though it was a very short moment. Yeah. However, I, I'm overlooking one here. Um, SummerSlam 2000. If the match was The Rock, Triple H, and Kurt Angle and a triple threat for the world title, The Rock was champion. But it was the height of that awesome Chris Kresge angle where <laughs> Triple H was a heel, Kurt Angle was a heel, and there was like this love triangle with, with Stephanie. Steph, yeah. And it wound up really turning Triple H almost face for a little bit. Well, wouldn't he be face the they next redacted year or it, something? Yeah. But that was a really cool match, even though I think Angle got like legit injured in the beginning and they had to take him out and they brought him back in. That was that made perfect use of the characters they had at the time. Yeah. Because The Rock was indifferent to the whole stupid love triangle thing. He just he, was like, I want to be the champion. Yeah, like, fuck you guys, basically. Yeah. I'm going to win. So that one's good, but I don't know. Cena versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it's it, to me, there's only one other yeah. that I can possibly think of, and What's it that? was that Punk versus Cena at SummerSlam, yeah, which was the follow-up to the... To their famous Money in the Bank yeah. match, yeah. One I of mean, the best matches. I would book that for SummerSlam in a heartbeat. Punk like, versus Cena? Hell yeah, yeah. yeah, especially after the response after all that business. You know, another thing that happened at SummerSlam, Quinn, is The Rock actually lost the world title to Brock Lesnar in 2 eh. That's where Lesnar won his first yeah, title. I remember that, but like... The Rock I, I, was also part time by then. Yeah, of. it was it was Hollywood Rock, if I recall. Just right? about, it, just or about. almost there. Yes. Yeah, it, eh. I don't not, know. Not as much caring. Do you want to go with thirteen Cena versus uh, Brian? Do you want to go with fourteen Cena versus Brock? Yeah, that's a controversial pick, but I get where you're coming from with it. Yeah, as much as I like the Brian thing, I think the Brock actually had more. Um, 
it did more for the for the company as a whole for Brock. Like Daniel Bryan, like he was like a a, tr- a steam engine. Like he wasn't stopping at that point. Like right. he would have like sure like he, he could have won there but but cena putting over brock the way he did because brock was recovering from triple h like pooping on him like i, I was just gonna say exactly because triple h kind of just like beat him a few times lost a few times it was like whatever yeah brock was just like another guy undertaker puts brock over and now john cena gets killed by him yeah it was a big thing like if you ask me do we put it on <sighs> Yeah, Brock Cena. You sold me on it way yeah, back when, Quinn. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, you no, did. No, I, I, I agree. I really think Brock Cena was like something else. All right, so Brock Cena from SummerSlam 14. Are we doing it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, to recap for Donnie, <laughs> we have the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks from SummerSlam 88. We have Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog from 92. We have Steve Austin versus The Undertaker from 98. And we have Brock Lesnar versus John Cena from 2014. That's our Mount Rushmore of best SummerSlam events. We want to hear yours. You can tweet at us at OVP Podcast. You can go on to Facebook. Let us know what we forgot. Let us know what you disagree with. Or, of course, email us. And, Quinn, since you got to pick the first of the best, I get to pick the first of the worst. And I know exactly what I'm picking. Sure. There is no question, and I cannot foresee any possible reason why you would disagree with me on this. Okay. Undertaker versus Undertaker <laughs> SummerSlam 94. Undertaker versus, in quotes, Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I believe it's um, one of the it's, Skull and Eight Bulls or whatever. Brian Lee. Brian Lee. I'm Prime sorry. time Brian Lee, if what you was, recall. Not, what was his name in Chains. the deal? Like, Shane. Sorry. <laughs> Shane. Yeah. Now, folks, very brief background because we're, I know we're putting this in. I know there's no like, no, there's yeah, no it, way we're I disagreeing. Mean, this is like <laughs> it, it, you could already play the Sonic music <laughs> and then talk about it. You should just do that out of like insult to this. The die, die, die. You mean? Yeah. The whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here it is. It's going in. Undertaker. Undertaker. SummerSlam '94. Die, die, die. Now talk about okay, it. Okay, <laughs> so Undertaker had been gone since Royal Rumble because Yoko killed him or something with yeah, a few and guys. Yeah, he like floated into the sky or yeah, something. he died. I will not rest in peace. And like Marty Janetti was him. Yeah. Like, or whatever. <laughs> in a costume, right? Yeah. So then Ted DiBiase's like, ha ha ha, I found The Undertaker, I'm bringing him back. And Paul Bear's like, no, you're not. Ho ho ho. And meanwhile, <laughs> naked guns looking for him. Yeah, or Leslie whatever. Nielsen's yeah. looking for him. He's like, I'm looking for The Undertaker. There I was backstage at SummerSlam, caught on the trail of The Undertaker. So fake Undertaker comes back on the Heartbreak Hotel. Right. And it's not The Undertaker, but no one says that, right? They're like, yes. oh, it's The Undertaker. Oh, shit. Why is he evil now? Yeah, he's with Ted Diabetes He's now. with Ted Diabetes, and he wrestles some squash matches on Raw. Paul Bearer's like, no, I have The Real Undertaker. I'll well, bring him back. So what happens is we haven't seen The Real Undertaker whatsoever at this whole thing. So SummerSlam 94 happens, and this is after, by the way, what should have been the main event, because it would have made Rushmore, Brett Owen in a steel cage. Right. This is after that. This is not the main event this year, this Brett Owen. Right. Somehow. It, it should have been. Yes. 
anyway. It, it even had like the build up and everything, right. not just like uh, this is super, comedy. Super sleuth looking for the Undertaker <laughs> right. garbage. So out comes you know DiBiase's Undertaker, whatever. Then the real one comes out. Now two big things that I noticed because this is the first pay per view I ever saw. It was on my ninth birthday, as I always say. Is the urn was huge and had like a flashlight in it. Yeah, it was extra big. <laughs> and it, I don't know what was going on there. And then he comes out and he's wearing purple. Right. So this is the debut of the purple. I guess to make sure no one got too confused, you know, with the gray well, Undertaker. I mean, it would have been, like, honestly, they did look kind of alike. Kind of. Like, I with mean, the hair, especially. Yeah, real. So, so real. you could get actually confused if you watch them both fight in gray. I suppose so. Uh, real Undertaker was a bit taller. Bottom line is the match was a piece of shit. <laughs> the whole idea was a piece of shit. It was a bunch of gimmickry. It was something you would do with your action figures because you had two Undertaker figures. You're right. like, I'm going to make them fight each other. Yeah. Not to mention that they did a thing with Kane like 10 years later. Right. <laughs> Remember I, fake Kane? I'll say this. I think you kind of said it all there. There's really no arguing. That's it. Like, it stinks. It was a horrible idea. No one cared about it. It was boring and it didn't lead anywhere. That was it. Yeah. So done. It already died. So yeah. what do you got, Quinn? I got one that, you know, I was going to bring up another one at first. Okay. But I think that this is kind of dumpy considering the year before. All right. It is Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beef Kai. Oh. You know, remember Brutai, whatever they yeah, call him. Brother Brutai. Brother Brutai. <laughs> that's what I meant. Against Randy Savage and Zeus, which was all this is like a build for No Holds Barred. <laughs> but like, here's the thing. You can clearly tell they're trying to like invoke what they had last year. Yes. With with like the mega big, big tag match. Mega Bucks versus the Mega Powers yes. thing. And instead it was like the, the Mega Maniacs <laughs> and like what was Savage and Zeus's name? They again? didn't have one, okay. but why was Zeus? <laughs> yeah, so Teeny He's an Lister. Actor? Teeny Lister. Yeah, Teeny Lister. And 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 Savage, Savage. doing everything he can to make this good. Now, Sherry doing everything she can to make now, it good. I will say this. Yeah. The one good thing about it was the, all those ridiculous promos oh, where yeah. they were like on the cage and all that crap. Sherry's out of her mind. Yeah. Just like you, Hulk Hogan. Just like you fooled all your little pukamaniacs. So Miss Elizabeth has you fooled also. She has you seeing things and believing things that are never going to happen. But why? <laughs> Overall, this is stupid really stupid i don't like it and i don't know joe do you think it's like a definite like in death valley already thing or is it like should we discuss because i do have another one i have another one too can i okay. throw it at you go ahead diesel versus mabel SummerSlam 95 yes, that one is dumping that one's really bad and that's like the one where like basically mabel won the king of the ring mm -hmm. and like we're like well we've got to face the champion like yeah. at SummerSlam because that's what we're doing now like <laughs> like i'm serious yes. like that's like what they had decided yep and Diesel's not over. No one cares. No one cares by August. You know, no. he's got the Roseanne music. And, <laughs> and King Mabel is why? Like why? why? Like why does that exist? This was them trying to rehash the Hogan versus Big Fat Heel thing from the eighties, except at SummerSlam now in the nineties. Yes, yeah. and it was not good. I would actually say that that is pretty awful and should go in before the stuff I said. You think so? Yeah, because of all the main events mm -hmm. I can think of. It's like the least on paper, like it looks like crap. It does like, look it, like crap, it's right? It's like the worst one. That was like Diesel obviously should have been in the main event. Right. No doubt. But it's SummerSlam. Like, why wouldn't 
I don't know. At like the very least, they could have like had him face Shawn Michaels again or something. Even if it was a face versus face. Yeah, like at at the bare minimum, right? Or even like, Sid. I know I hate to say it because yeah. they had some atrocious matches. <laughs> yeah. They should have saved the Sid match for that. Well, I always thought that this is a result of like them getting used to the in your house thing. Probably. And it's like, well, we got to do Sid now because we don't have anything. Right. But like then they get to SummerSlam and they're like, well, now we have crappy Mabel. Yeah, it was a bad idea. I didn't think Mabel was winning whatsoever. I remember watching that live. Or even, I would say, yeah. what they really should have done. Is not that, yeah. They should have just <laughs> had Diesel drop the title to Brett at this. Like, just, it, like, fast <laughs> forward it a little series. bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what they really should have done. Yeah, because meanwhile, Brett's fighting Big Daddy Dentist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the evil Kane the Dentist. The only thing that saved that pay-per-view was Sean and Razor doing a match they'd already done. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. A year ago. <laughs> a year and a half prior. You know what? That that alone, because every good one that we've mentioned, the main event was the star of the show for the most part, right? Yeah. Even in The Undertaker vs. Undertaker, it's still The Undertaker. Right. You look at Diesel and King Mabel and you're like, really? Am I like, watching Action Zone? Yeah, like, what? Does it die, 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 quick? Yeah, just get it out of here. All right, Diesel Mabel from 95 for number two. Die, die, die. Now, hold on a minute. Go I ahead. do want to bring up what my, like, initial, like, gut first pick was. Okay, go ahead. Because I think some people will say this is a little, like, why? Mm-hmm. But the Hogan Warrior versus <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa. Oh, God. Yeah, at SummerSlam 91. That is really bad. Right, because, so, Savage is, like, getting married or something. That's the main event, right? Yeah. <laughs> Technically. <But laughs> this match is weird on a couple of different levels. Like, you can kind of tell that they wanted to do Hogan Warrior Savage, like, teaming up so? or something, because, like... Oh, that would have been funny. Yeah, like, wouldn't that make more sense if they want to, like, again, they're trying to invoke that, like, they're trying to get that, like, mega powers thing again, right? right? This yeah, is like, another year yeah. where they're doing the super team in the main event, right? Right. Now, but what's weird about this is, like, why is it a handicap match? First of all, well, because the Iron Sheik is one of the people in it, and he sucked by 91, and yeah, General Adnan is the least, other one. At least they were remarking that he was the Iron Sheik. Like they no, they did, weren't. No, they said that. I, I remember I went look back and this Oh, was, they did? They had said in that he had changed his name to Colonel oh, okay, Mustafa okay. because he was like with Slaughter or something. He moved from Iran to Iraq, right? Yeah, he like changed allegiances or some garbage. Good for him. Like he's he's supposed to be because aren't they like rivals too? Like Iran yeah, they and were. Iraq? Yeah. So like he's supposed to be now a turncoat also and he Gives changed. A shit. Yeah. No, so <laughs> my point is is that like, okay, you have two like Slaughter and Sheik are like legit. I guess, in K-Fob over here. Yeah, but Sheik is not in 91. Not 91, but the crowd doesn't know that yet. It's still 91. It's not when he's, like, waddling and can't walk anymore. Quinn, he was last relevant, what, in 86, 87? He still was a former world champion. So was Slaughter, but yeah, he, he didn't too, matter here. Yeah, but Adnan is like, what? Yeah, what I know. The, like, what the Who F? Gives a shit. Like, yeah. But the problem here is that not only had the Gulf War been over since February... Hogan beat Slaughter definitively, not only at WrestleMania in March, but also at like a Desert Storm match at MSG in the summer. So, from my understanding, there is like if you watch the Superstars a week after WrestleMania Seven, yeah, there's an instance where uh, Adnan and uh, Slaughter they attack 
Oh, they well, jump them, right? They jump them, at, and it's supposed to be like at WrestleMania, like in the locker room yeah, right afterwards. Definitely done in post, but yeah. But my point is, is like they were building to this from like the day after Mania. That's my fundamental problem with this. Why do I need to see Hogan beat a guy he's already beaten in a tag match? In a tag match that no one cared about, and just I don't like this handicap match nature of it as well. Me neither. They should have just reinstated Savage. Done the wedding on like superstars or something because like yeah. honestly why the like why was that at SummerSlam? You know what I agree with you and I have to say Quinn as bad as eighty nine's main event mm-hmm. with Zeus is this is actually less interesting yeah and more pointless. The funny part about SummerSlam ninety one is everything else on this card other than like the match made in heaven and the match made in hell are awesome. Right. Like, those two parts of it are whatever. Even the match made in heaven, the only part that's appealing about it is that funny thing, like, after where the, the snake, snake and all that. Yeah. Like, that's that's funny. But, like... I know. The rest of, like, the wedding is stupid. Like, it is. It's just really it's dumb. Stupid. They're, like, trying to do, like, Princess Diana yeah. stuff. Like, And they call her Miss Elizabeth Macho, which yeah. I never liked because <laughs> his last name's not Macho. It's sad. Miss Elizabeth Macho. First of all, <laughs> Miss Elizabeth, when you're married, you're Mrs. <laughs> It should have been Mrs. Elizabeth Savage, not Miss Elizabeth Macho! <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Macho! This is going in. Yeah, get it out of here. It's worse than the 89 thing. I cannot believe yeah. Zeus beats out all this, right. but he does. Okay, okay one more Fine. thing about this. Because this is number three, Quinn. Right, and I know we're going on about it. However, I need to say this. Okay. The main event is supposed to be a co-main event of the wedding and this. <laughs> yeah, the match between heaven so, and hell. Like, yeah, so, like, <laughs> are we putting the wedding in, too, with this? No, 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 no. Okay, just, just, the, like, just, just the match, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going in? Yeah. All right, so this monstrosity atrocity here is going in. Die. Die, die, die. I mean, hell, all right. All right, we got one more, Quinn. I'm going to throw one at you. It's controversial. I know we have 89 still hanging in the balance here. Yeah. But I want to give you one, and I'm going to tell you exactly why I think it goes on Death Valley, in my opinion. Okay. The triple threat match from SummerSlam 99, which was Austin, Triple H, and Mankind, right? And that's where Mankind pinned Steve Austin to win the world title. Here is why I believe that match should be in Death Valley. Okay. Because it should not have been a triple threat. Austin should have fucking lost to Triple H. He refused to. (laughs) That's the only reason Mankind was in it. Because if you recall, the next night, Mankind lost the title to Triple H. They were going Triple H the entire time. Mankind was not even in the world title scene by this point. Right. But Austin did not want to job or some shit. Jesse Ventura didn't want to raise a heel's hand. I don't know because he was a ref. <laughs> Fuck that too. Regardless of the reason, this should not have been a triple threat. Triple H should have gotten his win because they were going to go with him regardless. That was obvious. At SummerSlam in a one-on-one defeating Steve Austin clean. And it was bullshit and I hated it at the time and I still don't like it now. <laughs> in some weird screwed up foresight i almost feel for austin here because of just like because triple h like what the future would hold like for all this is like i mean i mean you gotta put people i'm just saying i understand that contextually at this time triple h was a zero time world champion so this is not like you know you have to put him over eventually Was this the moment to put triple h over because i feel he didn't really get over until Mankind put him over. He shouldn't have just Cactus been Jack. the champion. Yeah. Uh, look, like, I'm not going to say that they jumped, that they didn't jump the gun on Triple H. They should have waited a little bit and let him get over more. I agree with you. Yeah. 
But if they were gonna put if they were gonna put him over, which they were going to, it should have been one on one against Austin. I get it though. Why it's probably not gonna make Death Valley. That's okay. Okay. And another thing. Go ahead. Contextually, Triple H had not done the Stephanie thing yet, had he? No. So I don't really need Triple H to win the belt. He was here. just in the corporation. He was yeah. just like a heel. Yeah. I okay. Fair enough. Fair. It, fair enough. Fine. You know what's worse? What Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels. I'm going to agree with you there. SummerSlam uh, 05. 05, yeah. That was horseshit for several reasons. Number one, who won, Quinn? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Bullshit. Yeah. Why? Here's the thing. It's 05, Joe. And you know that, like, obviously, folks, if you haven't been listening, Shawn Michaels is Quinn's favorite wrestler. He is one of mine, but I I also bust I really couldn't believe that they were putting Hogan over Michaels at this point in time. So Hogan's willing to put over The Rock, who, God bless him, he's The Rock, the most charismatic, electrifying man in sports entertainment. He is not on half a level as a wrestler that Shawn Michaels is. I'll tell you this. The reason to me that Hogan put over The Rock yeah. has more to do with the fact that he didn't have the political capital that he had gained from his set, his comeback in mm. like when when he fought The Rock. Initially. That was his first match back, so right. of course he has to put him over, right? Vince right. is bringing him back. Right. You want to come back? All right, can you put over The Rock and then I'll move on with you? Yeah. Now he's coming back again. To However, help them out. a couple years later, yes. and now the, 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 the situation is reversed. But they who, need Hogan to kind of give a, them a little push here. But who had to get up and work the next day? Shawn Michaels. Michaels. And you know and what? He had been working very hard for them for, for three two, for three years. That's oh five, right? Three years since oh two. Oh right, since I always think it's oh three, but yeah, oh two. Yeah. And Michaels, I'll give him credit because he turned heel and he didn't want to for this match, remember? Yeah. He actually he, turned heel. He was planning on never being really heel again. Like right. he just wanted to be like a Christian uh-huh. like wrestler. Like that Which was going to be his thing. Certainly his prerogative, and, yeah. and that's a great thing. Yeah, but he fucked with Hogan in this match because he oversold so comedically that Kurt Hennig would be laughing. Yes. about the way Michaels oversold in this match, flip flopping all over the place. Yeah, he just wanted to make Hogan look stupid, and he did. Yeah, and he and Hogan deserved it. Yeah, and but, I Hogan didn't want to put him over. That's known. But like that Vince. isn't just it, it's not just Vince. No, Hogan didn't want to lose to Michaels. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say. He didn't want to. And unfortunately, you know, I don't know where Vince's initial thought was, but Vince went with that. And Do you think it's because Hogan still thought he was a way bigger name than Shawn Michaels and like physique-wise that he thought like yes. he, it was still like, you know, 1991 or something? Well, I'll say this. Hogan will always be a bigger name than Shawn Michaels. I'll agree with that. He is. However, in 2005, Shawn Michaels was on a career renaissance. He was probably the most over guy in, like, the company. Right. And think about it. Michaels had five more years left in the tank. I know. I know. (laughs) He should not have lost that match. But does the outcome really make it a contender? I know it sucked. It wasn't fun, like, and it felt like big we match knew, feel though. No, but we also kind of knew that Hogan what was, was going yeah, on. Yeah, I know, and it screwed up everything. But because it, everyone saw the writing on the wall, yeah, like why is Shawn Michaels heel? Like, right, it was stupid. That's true. Hogan didn't want to fi- because you know Michaels probably would have gotten cheered if he was face, right? So Hogan made him turn heel, right? And it let. Remember that stupid <laughs> Larry King fake thing? Yeah, all that crap. Hulk. You'll be squaring off against Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. Now that's Shawn Michaels. He's a tough guy, isn't he? Let me tell you something, brother. 
This is a dream match, brother. One that I've always dreamed of, brother. It's also the, like, junk associated with it that doesn't give it much merit. Yeah, it was weird to see out of nowhere Michaels just be a dick again and, like, pick on Hogan for no reason. Yeah. And it was stupid. But is it worse than Lex Luger versus Yokozuna from 93? (sighs) Yes. It is worse, okay? Because at least that, like, if you were just, like, if you had just watched up to that point, we're not thinking, like, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. But I understand the ending is stupid. Of Luger. Yoko, yeah. But at the same time, you could have you could have reasonably thought, okay, well, Luger's going to win the title at WrestleMania. That's like why this is happening. Right. And maybe that, I think that might have been their initial, initial plan until they realized, no, we got to go with Brett. Yeah. I mean, I would okay. think as a viewer then, it's like, sure, he wins by count out, but that's because they had built Yokozuna as like completely unstoppable for so so any kind of win was right. supposed to be perceived as like, okay, someone like finally got the upper hand on him. There's like, some vulnerability finally, yeah, even exactly. a hint of it. Right. And the idea was this slow burn, right? Right. It sucked. Which but, is I good. Mean, yeah, yeah, no, I know. The idea is good of a slow burn. Is it worse? Is Hogan Michaels, though, Quinn, worse than Zeus and Savage versus the Mega Maniacs? I think it is. Okay. Because I think it's more insulting to the audience of the times intelligence. And, and in 89, the right people won. Yeah. In 2005, the wrong person won. Right. Michael should have beaten Hogan. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that because I'm the biggest Shawn Michaels fan or, or because I hate Hogan. Mm-hmm. I say it because it makes sense that Shawn Michaels in 2005 would beat the Hulk Hogan of 2005. Yeah. Just to do some house cleaning here. Real since, quick, go since, ahead. Since we are getting near the end here. Yep, last one. And the last one, I just want to bring up a couple here. Go ahead. Shawn Michaels versus Vader from uh, the 96 SummerSlam. It was okay. It was fine, right? Like, I, I, a lot of people it's neither, think whatever about it. It's so. neither on the mountain or in the, in the valley, you know? I don't know. I think I'll go Hogan Michaels with you, Quinn. That was something yeah. that I just, I didn't like it. It's the worst. The Hogan Nostalgia Tour was one thing in 2002. And that was fun until, like, the masked version or whatever. Yeah, Mr. America. Yeah. Uh, The Hogan Nostalgia Tour of 2005, defeating Shawn Michaels, left a very orangey tan, spray tan taste in my mouth, you know? And I just didn't like it. So if you want to go with that, I'll I'll go with it. I can't believe Zeus got a pass here, but you know what? That's the way we do things here. So for number four is Hogan Michaels 2005. Die, die, die. Well, that's our Death Valley of the SummerSlam main events. We want to know yours. I'm sure you've got differing opinions, and that's welcome. So go to our Facebook group right now. Go there. Or you can tweet at us at OVP Podcast or send us an email at ovppodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think your Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of SummerSlam main events are. Well, Quinn, it's time to take a break, but when we come back, we are reviewing something. Back after this. All right, fans, Ray Rougeau here. The Undertaker mystery is thickening. I want to start that over. I didn't like it. There I was, heading poolside, trying to catch some rain. Sorry, Ray. The girls were feeling macho. Macho, man, you're so big. Easy now, girls. It's family entertainment. I had work to do. I was scanning around the globe for clues to the biggest mystery of our time. The sun was extremely bright. If your deductive capabilities were a fraction of what you professed, this incogitable caper would have been solved by now. Thank you, son. Right kid. And he was right. After all this time, I'm still tormented by that one burning question. 
How can there be two Undertakers? Maybe one is corrupt like you. Police, arrest Batman. I will solve this case at SummerSlam. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. This was a result of a consensus between Quinn and I to finally do this show, and it is WCW Nitro. And I think it's kind of funny because every week when I put this show on SoundCloud, I'm required to put hashtags. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to put a bunch of stuff. So for whatever reason, since the beginning, I've always put Raw, SmackDown, and Nitro. And we've never reviewed Nitro. That's true. We never have. We had to do SmackDown at one point, too. And Raw. And Raw. Raw? We've never done Raw. We're not accurate. No. We're kind of accurate We will be one day. Uh, But this is Nitro from... October 9th, 1995. Now, a quick background history lesson here, real quick. Nitro is only a month old at this point. This is the fifth episode of Nitro, Quinn. Isn't it the sixth, I think? Sixth, maybe it yeah. is. Uh, Nitro had started on September 4th, ninety five, and we all know that this was somewhat of an unprecedented move. Vince had the monopoly at this point since January of 93 right. on network, you know, cable television, Monday night primetime slot. Right. So Eric Bischoff was like, no, I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to compete. Good. Yeah. I'm going to compete head to head. We all know the story if you're a retro wrestling aficionado. And Nitro was the rival to Monday Night Raw from 1995 until 2001. And Vince at this time couldn't understand why someone would go head to head. Right. Because Vince, it was like, it was kind of a gamble on paper. Yes. Compete with Vince. An established program that had been on for three years at this yeah. point. Yeah. But at the same time, if you know anything about 1995 WWF, which we briefly talked about in the SummerSlam segment. With I know something. Diesel, yes. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, it did, Quinn. Mm-hmm. It did. And Nitro was the beneficiary of that because <laughs> they were able to put together a show that was live every single week, which Raw by this point was definitely not. It was maybe live once or twice a month at yeah. this point, and the rest was canned. And we wanted to delve into a one-hour Nitro from its early days, so we we settled upon October 9th, 95. So we're about a month into Nitro being a thing. And Quinn, the interesting thing about this show is we open with a cold open recap. Yes, we do. And this is a funny angle. Uh, not a good angle, but funny. It's Kevin Sullivan in a dress, which you love, Quinn. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite. Like, the Dungeon of Doom is horrible. Awful. But this is one of their finest hours here, yeah. <laughs> where they really, like, they ambush Hogan. Like, right. Like, Kevin Sullivan's dressed as, like, a granny in the audience. Not, not Well, I guess he is a stunt granny. <laughs> He's a stunt granny. Yes. Exactly. And they attack Hogan and shave his mustache off. Yes. Now, now, that comes into play and gets brought up quite a bit later on, which we can, I guess, get to. Right. But that's how we open the show, is a recap of Hogan getting his neck snapped by the giant. Which it was already snapped, because... In, he's he had like high-fiving people with a neck brace on. <laughs> that whole 
Uh, Why would you even come out? You look like an idiot. In the neck brace? Yeah, yeah. You look stupid. So then we get, Quinn, the classic nitro opening, which you said you always like. Oh, always a fan of this with the houses exploding. Yeah, why is everything blowing up? It's great. It, it just, it's, it invokes like that, hey, things are happening and it's chaotic and stuff. Like, <laughs> okay, I guess so. Those light bulbs blowing, the, the, the street lights blowing up. That's like my favorite part. Nothing says violence like light bulbs blowing up. Speaking of violence, we're live from Chicago. And this does look impressive. I'll give them that. We're from the Rosemont. We get a helicopter shot of downtown yeah, Chicago. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised at the production there. This is much better than wherever the hell Raw was from, I guarantee you, this probably, night. Probably in an aircraft hangar <laughs> or something. Exactly. And they don't give you any gist of where they are. No, probably like, not. This looks like it was like an event. Like, yeah. They, there's a lot of people there. There's got to be like 18,000 people there. Probably the Rosemont. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And they're live. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. That's the more exciting. That was the bit. See, here's the thing. The big appeal of Raw when it started in 93 yeah. is that it was live. Right. Anything else they had wasn't, right? Like exactly. superstars, prime time. So this was, they were like, it was like a big deal at first. And now Raw wasn't live really that much it anymore. It was basically superstars. <laughs> exactly. On Monday. On Mondays. And we had a live Nitro. So we're hosted, of course, by the initial Nitro team. That is Eric Bischoff himself playing kind of the counterpart to Vince hosting yeah, his own show. Yeah, he's basically Vince Jr. Yeah. Chicago, Illinois, here on TNT. It is WCW Monday Nitro coming your way. Bobby the Brain Heenan, who still cared, I think, at He's this point. He's pretty good here. He's not bad. And Mongo, who eh. I, I think is very not good, but He's I know. He's okay. Like, I, I, He's not offensive to me. I know. My colleague here has a soft spot for him. It's fine. And they're all wearing Chicago Bears jerseys. Quinn, Mongo's got his number. Bischoff's got a number one, of course, you right. know, because they're number one. Yeah. Bobby's got a question mark. Well, a nice little touch. Bo- and they're tucked in, by the way. Do you <laughs> yeah, notice this? Yeah, like, they look- Bobby's got, like, fat pants on. <laughs> like, And they're, like, looking the other way or something. Thing. It's weird. Yeah. Bobby says Hogan's in the building, so I guess we'll be seeing him later. But to start here, <laughs> the U.S. champ Sting wanders over to the table. Right. Which, now, this is the era, Quinn, where the broadcast table is, like, all the way back from right. the ring. This is the first group to do this. Yeah, they're not at ringside. Right. So Sting wanders over to this, and what he wants to do is he wants to calm down all these problems between Lex Luger and Randy Savage. Right. In the background to this is Sting brought back Luger. That was how they explained why he mm-hmm. jumped WCW. Yep. And like, no one seems to trust Luger, even though, like, I don't really recall him doing anything shady, just like he was always in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he never did anything. He eventually, like, to this point, he hadn't. Eventually, he was kind of a double agent and he was with Jimmy Hart, but also Sting's partner, but not yet. Yes. That hadn't happened yet. So, anyway, we get our first match and ring announcer David Penzer announces the shark. Mm hmm. Who we mentioned recently, and and obviously the a lowest ho- point. Yeah, a horrible gimmick change. The lowest point <laughs> of John Tenta's career. His tights suck. <laughs> like they're horrible. There's all sorts of nonsense, and looks like the shark logo is like bitten out of, and like like jaws like fins on it, and yeah. his music is like jaws. It's like a jaws ripoff. I just feel so bad for yeah. John Tenta. What a nice guy, and he went along with the gimmick. But oh my gosh. Anyway, he's fighting the U.S. champion Sting. Quinn, you know. There's a lot of those Hogan foam hands in the yeah, crowd. If you listen to WPAN, they uh, yeah. got like that was one of the 
things that we thought were stupid items. But these were like, not only was there like the foam number one hands, yeah. but there's foam hands of just Hogan posing like out, yeah. like out of foam. Why do you want that? Yeah, it's Why really stupid. That? Why do you want more posing? <laughs> Nick Patrick and his giant mullet. He looks like Dave Meltzer. Is our referee? Like, he <laughs> yeah, really looks Meltzer. <laughs> he kind like, of More than usual. Yeah, you know, uh, match. Yeah. Um, that match was so freaking unbelievable. Sting enters and Quinn, <laughs> you had a good point. Did he go all the way backstage just to come back out again? Yes. So Sting, after like being like, woo, I'm going to settle the things. Ah, yeah. Like, you know, he's all yelling and screaming. Yeah. He like wanders away and you would think he would just go to the ring because right. he's already out, right? <laughs> he went backstage. Instead, the shark comes out, right? And I'm like thinking, oh, where's Sting? Right. Like, I thought he was in the ring already. <laughs> yeah. But no, like Sting now, it's like, this is Sting! Yeah. Like, in the whole, like, he comes out, like, oh, yeah. But he is over, man. He is very over. And you know what? Wildcat Willie, who I didn't really realize existed until Quinn reminded me of uh, yes. several weeks back. Yes. The WCW mascot. He makes an appearance on the ramp. He is very much there. <laughs> he is there. So Tenta attacks before the bell, which, of course, Bischoff calls a shark attack. <laughs> Well, I mean, it technically is. <sighs> Quinn, I honestly, throughout this whole show, uh, Bischoff's not terrible. He is more annoying than Vince, though. I, I have to say, slightly. I would just like to say <laughs> it's not by much. I I really don't think it's that offensive. I didn't think any of the commentary was super offensive in this. What about Mongo saying "Good God, Gertie"? Good God, Gertie! This shark means business. Yeah, but I mean, what does that mean? I don't know, but it's not offensive. It's just funny that's it's all stupid this is a match in a very short one sting gets a really crappy top rope crossbody after like a minute and four i don't <laughs> yeah. know for the win and Quinn, you had a great statement here and that's all the match i needed to see <laughs> yeah exactly like, see this is the thing and you'll start to notice as we review this is the pacing on this show is phenomenal very rapid there's no fire. like Bull crap. There's it's no just dicking like, around. Yeah, it's just like, no, we got matches to show you. Like, yeah. there's things going on here. We got to do things. So we get another recap now of Hogan and his neck brace getting his ass kicked and his <laughs> neck snapped and his mustache shaved. Quinn, you had a great point. Is Hulk this ridiculous that he has to come out with a neck brace just to remain over? Yes, it's like he's playing the sympathy card. Cause, right. Cause, and, you know, you'll we'll get to it later, but there's yeah. reasons. Also of note, Zodiac, which is Brutus <laughs> Beefcake and another horrible guy. He's very gimmick. boisterous in this whole thing. Yeah, he like jolly wanders yeah, out his during arms this beatdown. always waving. <laughs> and why is this mustache shaving supposed to be like so <laughs> insulting? I like, don't know. What, like, Hogan Mongo's would, like, he's had it for 25 years. He never shaved it. Like, <laughs> What, was he never going to shave ever again or yeah. something? If he never shaved it at all, wouldn't it be like really long? What, wouldn't I'm it be sure more insulting it? to just shave his remaining hair? hair yes like, that would be much more insulting but i mean hogan had to give the okay for this yeah. he would never let that crap hair go away no because he, he wasn't even bald he's still hanging on to that <laughs> he still is yeah. wouldn't you think a guy with all the money he had would have gradually gotten like hair implants like, like very like Subtle. nicely yes yeah. no like you know so eventually he just has hair but right. like over a period of years right it just kind of slowly gets back in there and you're yeah like, ah, okay 
He's got hair. Yeah. So, Quinn, coming up at Halloween Havoc in a few weeks, we have that monster truck sumo match bullshit. Thrilling. Yeah, it was a good time. I Our remember next- that pay-per-view. <laughs> God, what a weird pay-per-view. Yeah. Our next match here is a very, very interesting one, folks. It is Mr. JL, which is a horrible name for a very good wrestler, and that's Jerry Lynn. Yes. This is like the luchador version of Jerry Lynn, Quinn. Right. It, I guess they just didn't want him to like be regular Jerry Lynn, so they gave him a mask and tried to make him like Rey Mysterio, but yeah. Rey Mysterio wasn't there yet. No, he wasn't there yeah. yet. And, but I mean, Mr. JL is it's a stupid name. Very uncreative. I thought they were going for that like Mr. Aki man from like <laughs> WCW versus the World video game. <laughs> right. Which was out around this time. It was. It came out soon. But he's fighting Sabu. By the way, Sabu comes out. Yep. And he has La Parka's music. One of your favorites. Which La Parka isn't in WCW yet, but no. he had the music that would be La Parka. Like, it's very like blatant because yeah. you remember La Parka's music because yeah. like, he used to strut to it uh-huh. and everything. Yeah, They just recycled it for La Parka, but Sabu had it first. Yeah. Interesting to see Sabu here, and there's big chance for him. You had a great question, Quinn. Yeah, I, I asked you, how did they blunder Sabu at like the height of his popularity? Like It's 95. It's not like 97. Right. Like, Sabu is, like, known. He is ECW. He's one of the main components and ingredients and of ECW. Yeah, and he's known nationally at this point. Like, people knew yep. who Sabu was. He had been in Japan. He had made a name yeah. for himself. Like, Pete, you would hear through the magazines and things like, oh, there's this guy with the scars, and right. he's crazy, and, like, he's really crazy. He's not, like, it's not a gimmick. Not the know? aftermags, though. Don't call them the aftermags. Maybe the aftermath. Can't call them that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I'd say it's just not only weird to see him in WCW. He's young. I'd say it's <laughs> weird to even be able to see him without like the ECW arena dust all over the camera lens. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can see Sabu clearly. The quality is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's good to see him young and in it front is. of a good camera because when we next time we saw him in front of a good camera he was like falling apart yeah. 100 years old he was yeah a big hogan sucks chance during this oh too. my god it's Which ridiculous is so funny it's chicago you got to remember that's one of those smart crowds right and they this this ain't alabama yeah you know this is not like oh we'll go see hawk hogan yeah i don't even know what promotion they're seeing yeah you no. know what i mean these people they these know. are wrestling fans folks and, and they have had enough of fucking hulk hogan we'll see more of that hogan. thumb thumb up his ass (laughs) so anyway this is essentially a spot fest but it is different than anything wwf was doing or wcw or wcw was doing yes so this we call the spot fest but you have to remember there wasn't spot fest so this is like whoa what's going people are like jumping and like you know what i do notice is kind of weird about this time period when like this spot fest style was becoming a thing Mm -hmm. like you still have announcers like bobby being like oh man he hit that railing that's like 10 tons of steel like you know like they're like making like because to them like if you get hit by anything steel it's like death (laughs) right but like these guys are like bouncing off everything and like they're just you know no selling it and Sabu, who sucks in my opinion uh in (laughs) general he looked pretty good here he's okay and jerry lynn looked great yeah Every, every I had no problem with this match. I had no problem. Sabu had a cool spot where he sprung off a chair with a big kick on the JL. Yes, and it technically wasn't cheating because he didn't use the chair. No, he just he jumped, just jumped off it. the chair. Yep. Yeah. And then we had a nice spot where JL reversed a vertical suplex into the ring into a German suplex. Yes, German suplex, which they don't call. They because, don't can't say that. Yeah. Foreign object, why. no. International object. <laughs> big clothesline, <laughs> clothesline by Sabu. Then a camel clutch, a horrible one, by the way. Yeah. JL makes the ropes and then buries Sabu with a D. 
DDT from the second rope there. Right. JL heads up, tries a drop kick, but gets power bombed and then goes down to the camel in clutch. In the middle of the ring now. In the so middle of the ring. So there's no way out for the Mr. Ropes. JL here. Not a bad little match there for, for what it was. After right. the bell, though, they keep going. Sabu does a sunset flip power bomb to the outside. And I believe he was about to use the stairs as a weapon. Well, but we they cut like, away. They cut away and you hear like stuff Shit's going, going on there's right like, you hear stuff moving around and the crowd going "Ooh, ah As like bischoff is rambling yeah you like know? you're missing the whole thing right but then we go back to the ring and we get mean gene in the ring with sting and lex luger and his brass button sport <laughs> coat <laughs> yes sting calls out savage so he does mm-hmm. this exemplifies the wwf fucking up by the way with savage <laughs> coming up because here's the macho man in a feud, wrestling. Right. Why? Like how? Right. Wrestling. Wrestling. This is all they had to do profile. was all they had to do was this. A high this profile even, feud. This isn't even great. No, it's but not the main is, event. But we want the Macho Man. Right. And he's fighting Sting and Luger. Yeah. They have a big feud. He's not sitting there next to Vince McMahon every Monday calling doink matches. With a pencil. Yeah, with a pencil. Ugh. So Sting says the giant is choke slammed everyone. He's choke slammed Luger. He's choke slammed Savage, and then Savage gets all mad and he's like, "Why hasn't he choke slammed you?" Yeah, yeah. And Sting tells Savage to shut up. Oh, what about that? How come he's choke slammed Luger and me, and he's destroyed Hogan? How come he hasn't put his hands on you, Stinger? How would you like to say something about that? I right? Got, I got something to say about it. Let me tell you something. You shut up right now and don't slap anybody in the face. This is serious. Sting's like, a little aggressive. Really, yeah, he's a little testy. He's a little <laughs> testy. Yeah, he's being a little curt to him. Yeah. And by the way, Sting mentions how Luger is fighting Meng but this at is Halloween the, Havoc. This is the masked Meng. Well, when he comes to the ring. Yeah, with, that like, version. That weird, gigantic mask. <laughs> right. Not only that, Savage is fighting... <sighs> Kamala. Why is he still know. a thing Kamala in sucks. Kamala is so Forever. bad. He, he never was good. And he thinks he's so good. Yeah. In he, real life, the guy he, thinks he's good. He is the definition of big fat heel. He like is. That is fed to Hogan. And got a gimmick that got him over, and yeah. the people he fought got him over. Right. The dude sucked. I don't give a shit who he is in real life. He was never good. He is horrible. He was never, ever good. And I don't like him. Yeah. So anyway, Sting basically says, if Luger, if you beat Ming, and Savage, if you beat Kamala, why don't you two fight each other? And then he calls Luger disgusting. <laughs> He's like, you're not no total package. You're disgusting. And so basically, just trying to orchestrate those two to fight each other. He wants them to settle their difference. And they agree. This was great. It was good. Yeah, this was a really good yeah. segment. Sting reminded me, Quinn. I said this to you when we were watching it of modern day John Cena. Yes, but he's like over so much. Yeah. Like he is so popular. Like he should be the champion. He really should have been. Yeah, he was never a great mic guy, but he was good on this episode for this sure. This proved to me that he could do it. He, could just, hang. he was always in stupid stuff mm-hmm. or like not talking. Because, We're not talking yeah. for three years. They could have just had him do this forever. He was fine here. Yeah. I had no problem. Savage was great. Luger was great. And I said this to you while we were watching this, or like during the break, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I said to you, why did they go away from this type of hero? I don't know. Because it's not, it doesn't seem like the people didn't want this type of hero. It's that the wrong people were this type of hero. You mean like Hogan? Like Luger, like Diesel. 
It's a good point, Quinn. You know? Yeah, Sting was good here. I'll- Sting could have... He truly was the next Hulk Hogan. Well, he became an anti-hero in 96 right. and 7, so that was good enough. We get a clip now of Chris Voldemort and his giant mullet... Getting out of a limo, walking up to the building and saying... (laughs) So this is where the big boys play. WCW. Where the big boys... I always remember this because it yeah. was so stupid. That was a stupid. Like, why did he have a limo debut? Like, that's know. the other thing. I'm like, who is it? What is he, Ric Flair? <laughs> like, stupid. Disco Inferno comes out and dances, and Bischoff <laughs> is getting all upset because apparently he hasn't wrestled yet. He's not supposed to be there. Now, this... he says he's not on the roster. No, I he's think not he... on the roster. Okay, yeah. I think he meant because I'm card. pretty sure. He was, like, on Saturday night and stuff by this point wrestling. Maybe. I don't remember but when he debuted. anyway, he's, like, saying he's not on the roster and he's not supposed to be there. And I say he should be here because he's freaking very entertaining. He like, is. Like, he's awesome. I'll give it to him. He's just dancing to his stupid song. Uh, this is the best part, though. His yeah. music gets cut for someone else's who will say in a second. So he picks up a boom box yes. that he has laying around at the ramp. Just, this like, is like, the, the side. Yeah, yeah. He brought, like, a backup. And he plays his music on there, and the camera mic can kind of pick it up. Yes. Like, over the, the regular it's music. It's definitely his music on a cassette tape. So like, it's is, very yeah. much his music. It is, and this is the best part. As he's dancing to his boombox, here's who comes out, which made me happy. Yeah. Big Bubba, <laughs> and he just, like, glares at him. He's just like, what the fuck? What yeah, is he, this? like, looks at him, he walks, and then he looks back again, and just yeah. goes like, eh, I'm yeah, not like, doing anything. He doesn't do anything wrong, yeah. you know, but, like... Then, of course, Quinn's absolute favorite of mine, too, comes out, Hawk. Ugh. Hawk comes out. By himself. By himself. Not with Animal. He keeps glaring at Disco. Finally, he walks away. So Disco grabs uh, a baseball cap. Right. Well, this is because he kind of gave Disco some lip. Yeah, like Like, he was going to attack him. Right. Yeah. So Disco grabs a baseball cap from, from the fan. Yeah, the fans, yeah. And puts it on one of Hawk's spikes as he's walking down the aisle. Like the back one so he yeah. can't see. And Hawk, for to his credit, he takes like a long walk without noticing it. So it's very well done. In fact, it's Nick Patrick who notices it and yes. takes it off for him. And he's like, what? And, and then Disco's pointing and laughing. He's still there. On like, the ramp, yeah. All the way at the back of the entrance. Bubba attacks at the bell. His shirt is already coming off. <laughs> and we get these big LOD chants, and Quinn, you have a problem with that. Legion of Doom sucks. <laughs> That's what my problem is. And no one ever wants to see Hawk on his own. Yeah, it's true. Hawk, the single wrestler, Get really? out of here. He sucks. I don't need this in my life, ever. <laughs> Disco is still... <laughs> out there and he he makes his way to the ring apron while yeah. this match is and he going starts, on like, dancing all over the place but now of course hawk tears off his fine milan italian shirt right we didn't mention yeah, bobby right. bobby notes before about how the shirt that he's wearing he got from milan italy and it was like very expensive yeah and, and mongo's like no that's rayon blah blah yeah. blah so anyway hawk starts attacking him fighting him down the aisle so Bubba wins by count out. Yes, because he was like mm. fighting Disco. And I'm like, I'm ready for this hot Disco Hawk feud. <laughs> like, Yeah, I can't wait for that hey, one. Hey, it was done well. It was done well. Hawk lost. Yeah. Anyway, Mean Gene is in the ring. And this is the best and worst part of this show. <laughs> mean Gene is in the ring and he brings out the WCW world champion, the Dark Hulk Hogan. And yes. what I mean by that is in, literally dark. He's in mourning. Yeah. Because, you know, getting your mustache shaved can really hurt a person. It's like losing a family member it or is. something it's for him. It's terrible. So he is now dressed in all black. And folks, no, this is not NWO Hollywood Hogan. It looks like him. It looks like him. 
This is a brief, odd, weird period of time that didn't last that long. Not at all. Where Hulk Hogan dressed in all black and, I mean, I want to say acted like an asshole, but he had been acting like an asshole for, what, three years at this point? Yes. <laughs> so I can't really say he was acting this, different. This is the height of Thumbs Up Hogan, the worst version. Yeah, Quinn and I have a big problem, and I want to refresh everyone's memory on this. The Hulk Hogan that left at WrestleMania 8 and then reappeared in February of 93 for WrestleMania 9 and all that yeah. are two different things. Oh, they are very different. The WrestleMania 8 was the end of the classic Hogan, in my opinion. Right. The Hogan that came back in 93 was such a douchebag. He just thought More he than could ever. do whatever he wanted, and everyone will cheer him forever in perpetuity. Right. Yeah. Very good word. Yes. Look at you. Well, there you have it. 93 Hogan was awful. Yeah. It did not get better when he signed with WCW in 94. In it fact, got it just worse. Kept, yeah, it just kept getting bad. And now we're like, it's all, like it's insufferable at this point. It's so, like, it pisses me off every time I see it. Right. Because not only has he already gotten the Hogan sucks chance from, like, the entire crowd yeah, he, in a match he wasn't in. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the precursor to Roman Reigns. This is a guy being booked as a face, but he's being such a douchebag. He's acting like a heel. And no one wants to see him. Yeah, and he's yeah. acting like a heel, so he gets booed. 100% boos from the crowd for this, by the way. Yes! And Gene, like, blames it like he tries to cover for him. <laughs> he's like, you see, Hulk, they don't like your black attire. Yes, like, that's like, true. What? He's like, the reaction of the crowd is because of your attire. You can hear the response of this crowd, obviously, to your attire. This is not usual attire for you. Yes. Which we need to mention, he... <laughs> Previously had like a white neck brace. Yeah, now it's a black. Yeah, neck he brace. does have a ne black neck brace. It's, it's important awesome. to be coordinated. You know yeah. what I mean. When you when you're in mourning, you better fucking change your neck brace. Colors. By the way, aren't neck braces like sort of expensive medical equipment? I'm pretty sure they know. actually like cost. They're not cheap. So I, I'm yes. just saying, it's like he's so full of money. Like what an asshole. What an asshole. Yeah. Now I, I again I would say he cuts a heel promo but he's always been an asshole so he just cuts a Hogan promo. Right. You know what I mean? So then he brings this up. <laughs> he brings up beating Andre the giant in the Silverdome. Now they're yeah. in Detroit. They're close to Detroit and they're going to be in Detroit for Halloween Havoc. So he's bringing up Andre. I beat him in the Silverdome. Then of course Quinn he says he's going to beat his big stinky son. <laughs> First of all, big stinky son. Second of all, this son business. Yes. His own son. Why were they so obsessed with trying to make it that I Paul White was Andre's son? He was, Joe. I've I've contended this for years on this show. But you know what? Here's the we don't have years of. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Shouldn't Andre's son be pissed? I mean, Hogan did kill him at WrestleMania 3. According to Hogan, not according to Andre. <laughs> Because Andre came back from the grave to, like, fight him or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst part of the promo, though. Hogan runs down the history of Hulkamania and says that Hulkamania was running wild in the New York area until a promoter had too big of an ego. And now that promoter, Vince, obviously, is choking on his own ego. What is this promo? <laughs> like, why? Why is it so random? Like, yeah, why, why is he, is he so Vince? Why is he so mad at the WWF? Because he's getting booed now? Like, it's their fault? And besides, isn't Hogan the one that refused to job to Bret Hart? Yes. That's why Vince got rid of him. <laughs> he 
Ah, uh, enough. Hogan talking about egos? Yeah, he, it's ridiculous, all of it. And he says he's, like, brought his, like, Hogan army, a.k.a. all the Hogan goons, like Brian Nobbs and Yeti. Brutus Beefcake and, and not Duggan. Yete, uh, what's his name? Bru- I don't know. What's Brutus's name right now? Zodiac. Zodiac, yeah. and yeah. Duggan. Yeah. Honky Tonk Man wandered in at one point. Yeah. Fuck all that. I what is this? I can't believe he referred to them as his Hogan army or and I whatever. I can't believe, look, Vince has an ego. Do not get me wrong. But Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan, I know Vince has a big ego like you just said. He does. However, I sometimes wonder if Hulk has a bigger ego. Well, Hogan refused to job to Shawn Michaels. Yes, as we went over in this podcast. Hogan refused to job to Bret Hart. Right. Two good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he fucking puts over Yokozuna. Yeah. It's because he's bigger. Hogan does not like people that are small. Hogan is an anti-smallite, well, anti-midgite. Oh, come on! He, Hogan likes to put over people that will have him go over in the end. If you recall, yes. as Scott explained... <laughs> Yoko, that whole situation. Yeah, he never he, got his win back. He, he was trying to get Yoko after he was like dead and couldn't fight anymore, like to come to WCW just to lose to him. He fucking did that to the Warrior. Yeah, it's insane. He had the Warrior come in so he could lose to him in the worst match ever, or so he could beat you know way past the Warrior's right. prime. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Ego. Anyway, Mean Gene also, by the way, is very much in the give me a break mode. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, get, my God. Yeah. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> yeah, he's ridiculous. So this was sickening. Hogan equates his mustache being shaved, and no, I'm not exaggerating, this to is, mm-hmm. putting graffiti on the Washington Monument. Because he shaved Hulk Hogan's mustache off Kevin Sullivan and that giant, they might as well have put graffiti on the Washington Monument, brother. Or... Burning the American flag. They might as well have burnt the American flag, brother. This is insane. This is like ludicrous. Dude, all of it. It grows back. Yeah. <laughs> what it, the fuck? Yeah, the, he's talking about like monuments that if you like screwed up, they you'd have to rebuild them. Right, or burning the American flag. Yeah, those things don't grow back on their own. This is a mustache. Yes. For fuck's sake. Everyone in 1981 had a mustache. He's worried about this. Everyone now has a mustache. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, we hear some sirens. This is great. Yeah, this, this is was ama- this so is a- campy and so funny. It's good, though. I like yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's great. We hear sirens as Hogan's rambling on, and Quinn and I legitimately, we had no idea what this is. I haven't seen this episode yeah. probably since it aired, you know? Right. So then we cut outside, and this is like a precursor to when Austin would drive in on Zambonis. Right, right. And this different is way trucks. before that, actually. A couple way years before, before that. <laughs> the yeah. giant is driving in with his monster truck. No, he speeds in. He speeds in, and there's like two cop cars chasing him. <laughs> and then, not only that, but the police are like trying to hold him back from entering. Doug Dillinger is there trying yes. to hold him back. He's like, this is my favorite part, is like Doug Dillinger like fats in front of like all the police and shit and it's yeah. like i'm the head of this it's like right. you're not gonna go sir like <laughs> and then the cap it all off zodiac is like happily happily riding on top of the truck yes he's all like waving his hands like he's at a ride at six yeah. flags or something <laughs> but that's the best part yeah so anyway hogan uh he's like i'm going back there brother and i remarked to you how is this real like exactly. how is this like happening right how now is this even happening so we get 
get some random pyro as the steel cage descends to the ring. Yes, and a lot of pyro, by the Lots way. Lots of pyro. Like, it's they, almost like the second hour was coming. Right. It, I, I said to you, I was like, here comes the not second hour of Nitro. Right. Like, it's really <laughs> weird. So anyway, we then cut to Pepe, uh, Thank- Mongo's dog. Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. I always like Pepe. He's wearing his tiny little Chicago Bears helmet as the cops come over and talk to Bischoff. Yeah, they're like alerting him of the situation yeah, or something. They're like, they're basically, they tell Bischoff, they're keeping Hogan and Giants separated. Yeah. Great. Well, thank God. Anyway, this is a very odd match during a very odd feud. It's a cage match, Quinn, between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Ian Anderson, as Dusty Rhodes calls Ian Anderson. This is really weird because this was a brief feud, and I guess we can get to what it led to shortly, but Flair comes out with his purple robe. Arn gets the jobber entrance. Right, and I say to you, it, they're clearly running out of time because even Flair, he like he just goes like, he walks woo, woo, real woo, quick, makes yeah. a circle, and then starts like storming to the ring, and they're yeah. like making the excuse, oh, he's so mad at him, but I'm like, oh, he's running out of time. Like, yeah, they are. They're yeah. running out of time. The cage is really short, by the way. I guess they, they said it was to keep you know anyone from interfering well, brian pillman they said they brian said pillman brian brian keeps interfering right so uh it's the, the standard cage rules not escape you know like yeah, pinfalls like and all that match in a cage so that people don't get involved right we get a pretty hot start flair takes the advantage and then Arn gets a back body drop slams him into the cage a few times we cut the commercial and when we come back flair is chopping away but Arn takes over with the spine buster quinn you had a great question for me yeah so i noticed this ref i say so wait is this the ref where he was gonna lose his job and then like his family <laughs> came out or some shit yes randy oh, anderson yes during remember the- in like the most midwestern looking family ever <laughs> during the nwo yeah. angle sure then he got like a key to the city or something yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like we're sorry <laughs> so weird yeah anyway so this match i have to say it's not bad per se it's rushed it's it, yeah it's, it's very rushed it's literally just these two taking turns throwing each other into the cage while the announcers talk about Hogan's mustache a lot, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> They're literally just going on and on this about Hogan. This is supposed to, like, settle something, too. Like, I know. This is suposed to be a big deal, and yeah. they're just like, no, Hogan's mustache, man. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Big vertical suit play by Flair, yep. and then Brian Pillman runs out. He ascends the cage, but Flair knocks him off of the cage. In case you're wondering who the face is, I thought it had been Anderson. I think it's Flair. Yeah, I, I think it's it, no one. I thought it was flair also i don't know if there really was a face yeah. or a heel yeah i don't I, they just kind of started fighting one it was day. like something you didn't want to see it's like two family members fighting you yeah, know like you don't want to see them fight people like the four horsemen yeah they don't want to see them breaking fight? it up exactly stupid it's that type of thing anyway yeah. big double axe handle by flair from the top of the cage or that was from cool the rope. actually yeah. i like that followed by a knee breaker yep. and then arn blocks the figure four wax flair with a some kind of foreign object and gets the pin and then Pillman celebrates with Arn down the aisle. Now, Quinn, you had a problem with the foreign object itself. Okay, so it's that piece of tape garbage. Like, why is it so devastating? Like, I don't understand it. Like, this is a time in WCW where Hacksaw used to, like, just carry tape around and shit like that. Right. Why? Like, can someone, like, who's a wrestler explain (laughs) to me, like, why this is so devastating? Like, if I had tape around my hand... Would it actually knock someone out or something? Like psychology. It's the only thing way I can chalk it even up. Even as to. a kid, I didn't get it though. Like in nineteen ninety five, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. Psychology. Sure. Anyways, Flair, as he announces a rambling away, Flair storms over to the table, rips Bischoff's head <laughs> this o- is headset off of him, and then says he doesn't care about the bears. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. No one does. Not here. And then he says he'll find a partner or he'll fight the two of them by himself. His partner, Quinn, wound up being Sting if I recall correctly. Oh, well, that's a good partner. He wound up turning on Sting because it was cahoots, 
and the four horsemen reformed. Uh, so this was a master plan. They just were feuding just to lure Sting in and beat him up, basically. Flair, Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman, and Chris Voldemort. Right, because WCW were the big boys play, as you right. said. So he's, exactly. he's here. <laughs> he's here to play with them. So as they now just close out the show, it's funny because Bischoff's headset's like all fucked up. Yeah, and they're like recapping like everything that happened. Yeah, in Donnie this, would like, love it. 40 minutes of show. <laughs> Donnie would love this. Yeah. They're just recapping the show. And then, of course, Mongo has the line of the night. There's so much going on in Halloween Havoc that you can't help but pay-per-view that thing. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, there's so much going on in Halloween Havoc. You can't help but to pay-per-view that thing. Goodbye. Like, that's Goodbye. it. Yeah, that's just the end of it. So, Quinn, that was very entertaining. Yes, it was. It was so fast-paced. It's like you felt like things were happening, and it was like I felt like I was like on a freight train, like like that couldn't stop. Also, it was yeah. just like going, and like I'm like okay, like and I'm up for the ride. And no, it, it was, was great. great. Yeah. yeah, I really didn't have a problem with it. I mean, Hogan was an annoying there's, asshole, but there's it was fine. bad stuff on it. But I mean, you're going so fast that right. you can't take time to like care that this is bad. Right. So I want to compare this real quick. This will be before we wrap up. This is what Raw was doing. I'm reading the results right now. Sure. Number one, it was taped September 25th, so oh. two, week, two weeks earlier, right? Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the Grand Center. I don't know anything about that place. <laughs> Probably some hanger. Yeah, really. Here's the matches. And this doesn't sound bad on paper. Davey Boy Smith. Okay. Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Okay. Defeated Diesel, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker in, a, in 11.46. Was that the main... I guess. I think it opened. Okay. When Davy Boy Smith pinned Diesel after Diesel sustained a leg drop from Yokozuna behind the ref's back. Okay, so they did that setup garbage. And, yep. Yeah. So anyway, mo- after the match, all three of the faces were beaten down by the heels, King Mabel and Dean Douglas. And in the ensuing brawl, The Undertaker sustained a broken eye socket at the hands of King Mabel. Oh, is that when he got that dumb mask? Yeah. And then one other match. Wait, what? Two One. matches on the show. Fatu. Pinned, Make it a difference kind? Yeah. Pin skip. Wonderful. With Sonny, of course. In 549. That's all that happened? Off the top rope. That's the only two matches. I guess that whole first segment was probably like 30 minutes. <laughs> Then they probably had, you know, commercials and highlights and, and other shit, and then that one other match. I got to see all that cool stuff on Nitro. It, some of it was bad, but I mean, like, it was fast-paced, and I felt full afterwards. I agree with you. I felt full. Yeah. Um, here's the ratings. Okay. Nitro, 2.6. Okay. Raw, 2.6. Ah. What do you think they watch the next week? What's the next? Ra- I'm, yeah, because, I mean, that would be, like, what did that lead to? Nitro, 2.2, Raw, 2.5. Interesting. I'll give them this. Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Bulldog, Owen, even Yoko. That is some star power. Yeah, you have but to it's give all them combined that. in one thing. Fine. There's Luger, nothing else on the show. Luger, Sting, Savage, that's all combined in one thing. Yeah. But they also had Flair. And Sabu. Yeah, they had Sabu, and of course they had Hogan, who was right. still star power. I'm yeah. not going to shit on that. Yeah. Interesting to see, though, before we wrap up here, right, how WCW took an approach that you can tell they took some cues from ECW, not all of it. Right. But by bringing in Sabu, doing that type of a match, that was definitely an ECW influence. Yeah. And they took Vince's earlier influence of doing a fast-paced live, like, boom, boom, boom show. 
Right. And they incorporated that, and they had names. They had a hot crowd in a good arena. Yeah, it was big. Good production. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a great show. I have no problem with it. Yeah. That was really fun for a, a weird period of time for WCW with the Dark Hogan Transition and all that. era. Transition era, because, you know, for the next six months until we hit the NWO, that's pretty much what it was. They're, they're figuring out what they want to do with this, like, kind of... They have they're kind of tied with Raw, so it's like right. They're pretty close, exactly. So, so they're trying to figure it out, and yeah. Overall, you know, eventually I, they would, but yeah. Overall, I thought it was good, and folks, we hope you thought our show was good. You know, we'd love to obviously hear from you. So keep giving your suggestions to us. I know that we did one that we picked the last few weeks, which you know that's going to happen. But send us some review suggestions, would you? We want to know things to review. We want your Rushmore suggestions. We want to know if you want to. Think, why do they bother with something? You yeah, know, I mean, we're happy to talk about anything that you might throw at us. Of course, you can reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us, go to our Facebook group, and Quinn. Obviously, we have a website with anything having to do with our podcast. Yeah, you go over there, get all the links that I've talked about. Yep, at nauseum. Yes, exactly. So, folks, stay tuned for this Thursday. Scott Keith will be joining us for the SummerSlam special, and we will see you, of course, again next week for episode number forty-five. Until then. And until Thursday, have a great rest of your day. Have a good week. We will be seeing you in a few days. See ya. If his son, that no good stinky giant, has the guts to come out here right now, brother, I'll rip this neck brace off and I'll beat him right in the middle of this ring, brother. But let me tell you a little history about Hulkamania. A long time ago, brother, in the New York City area, brother, when Hulkamania was running wild, the promoter's ego got bigger than the wrestling business. And as Hulk Hogan pulled his troops out, the red and the yellow little holsters, a couple years down the road, as we speak, that promoter is dying and choking on his own ego. That's why the WCW... I was looking for a place for Hulkamania to grow, for the little holsters to become redwoods. And shut up!